It is time for our midday program here on KRVN on this Thursday. Scott here with you along with Brandon Bennett. And there is Bob Brogan that would bring us more good news as he's done so well all week long. No fault of your own, Bob. We're not, I'm not saying that's anything you did I'm wrong. trying to look for a silver lining. Well, well, good luck. I know you are. If there's anybody around here that's always looking for a silver lining, it's Bob Brogan. The silver lining is you want to buy now because you buy eggs when eggs are on sale. Stock market's down. Eggs are on sale, Bob. That's right. you got to retire at some buy low, point sell time, high. All right. That's right. Very good. Thank you. Now that we've got that over with. Snow's falling a little bit here in Lexington. I can tell you one place that the snow is not falling, and that's probably in San Antonio, Texas right now. Am I? But Susan doesn't know because she's sequestered inside. I am. So I won't even, supposedly it's going to be in the 60s today is what they're telling us. But we're inside the convention center as Commodity Classic is officially underway. So the, uh, we'll by, by the way, the official temperature in San Antonio is 53 right now. So, okay, so we just got a little so bit of warm, to warm, warm up, you know, over the day. <laughs> what do you got for us today? Hey, we're going to kick it all off here at 1219 as we continue with the angler journey. Oscarine is from Rwanda in East Africa and talks about her journey of coming to a new place. And also, she wrote a book and created a resolution time for ladies. So you want to check that out at 1219. Then this morning, I had a unique opportunity. If you watch Nat Geo, which is National Geographic Wild uh, yes. Cable Channel. Yes, I do. Dr. Aaron and Ben Schroeder, Heartland Docs. Have you heard about that? I have, yeah. I got to talk to him this morning. Had a blast on their interview as we talked about what Heartland Docs is all about, the showcase of the veterinary industry, and a little bit of what rural America is about as well. So we'll hear from them at 1245. And then wrapping it all up at 117, I caught up with Mike Steenhook here at Commodity Classic as we talk about some funding that is underway for the Mississippi River. They're going to increase it by five feet to get bigger barges in to get more grain moved out. So that's kind of what's happening for us on the midday. Wow, that sounds like an awfully big job, but uh, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. No, no problem. Thank you. All right. Well, it is uh, officially Red Cross Day at uh, the Nebraska men's basketball game tonight. That seems somewhat fitting. It it might be. They <laughs> might be need a bloodletting. It could before be before it's all over yeah, with. Husker yeah. men's basketball team returning home tonight when the Huskers take on number twenty three ranked Ohio State. The women's basketball team also wraps up its two thousand nineteen twenty regular season tonight when the Lady Huskers head to Bloomington to battle number twenty two Indiana. Huskers' most experienced kicker from this last year, Barrett Pickering, has left the football program. That, you know, they, they still have four on the roster. They're not hurting at all, but it's news coming out of Lincoln right now. I am the University of Nebraska Kearney's Brooke Carlson was the MIAA Player of the Week. We'll hear from her. All right. Very good. Sub-district final boys basketball all across the state of Nebraska going on tonight. Also, we turn it over to Bob Brogan. I haven't looked uh, for a little while here, Bob. Let's uh, Okay, go ahead. Investors are dumping stocks again as fears spread that the growing coronavirus outbreak will weigh down the global economy. The S&P 500 is now 9.6% below the peak it set last week and is headed for its worst weekly loss since October 2008. Meanwhile, the U.S. economy grew at an annual rate of 2.1% in the final quarter of last year, but damage from the spreading coronavirus is likely depressing growth in the current quarter so we'll continue to see where things end up at the end of this day all right that's all coming up on midday 
11.44, time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And Paul Perkins in here with us as we have a bit of a uh, snow squall uh, working its way through. Yes, uh, right through central Nebraska. Yeah. If you're along the interstate, probably seeing some snowflakes anywhere from about the Wood River area to North Platte and then points off towards the north. It does extend towards the Mullen and Broken Bill area. And then south of the interstate, Lexington to Wood River down to about the Holdridge and Getting close to Hastings right now, then a little more scattered activity towards Norton and Phillipsburg, Kansas. And this band of snow moving to the southeast, but also it will start probably change over to some sprinkles as it runs into some warmer air on into the east. Now, you were saying earlier, and I didn't see this, but you were saying Hyannis was showing a pretty decent amount of some snow. Yes, uh, the roads were pretty covered there yeah. uh, because of that a pretty good band of snow moving through, and then it was colder when that snow was moving right. there. Most temperatures right now across the area in the upper 30s to low 40s, but right where the snow is falling, we do have temperatures in the low and mid-30s from about the Thetford area down through Broken Bow, North Platte, Lexington, and Kearney down to Holdridge on into portions of north central Kansas right now. But yesterday, something we were talking about yesterday, about the yeah. visible satellite photo that did, of course, show the very well-defined snow in much of west-central Nebraska, northwest Kansas. And then there was just an offshoot of snow from about Phillipsburg down to Lincoln, Kansas, near Sylvan Grove, Kansas. That was uh, showing up on uh, the visible satellite, and it was very well-defined. It still is defined right now as we look at it. Uh, if you do look towards about, yeah, just in between Russell and uh, Salina, Kansas, up to near the Phillipsburg area. Somebody took a picture of that from an airplane, and it is on the KRVN Facebook page right now. We did share that picture from the National Weather Service in Hastings. It was a very well-defined area of snow where there was about 6 to 10 inches of snow, and then a sharp cutoff on both the east and west side of that band of snow. Just the oddest thing, and I think that's Osborne uh, County and maybe Lincoln County there, that it just kind of goes through, and it is just it looks it looks like on here it looks like a like a tornado tail kind or, or of. yeah or like a jet stream trail a jet that you, stream yeah that you see from this in the sky but if you want to take that look at that picture it's on the krv and facebook page right now but for today we're going to see that mix of sun and clouds we'll see the snow band move through and then gradually see some partly cloudy skies a small chance of light snow and some light rain with this trough of low pressure moving to the southeast temperatures today near seasonal winds though expected to gust up to about 40 in western areas and be breezy in other areas and behind this trough of low pressure. For tomorrow through the weekend, looking at some very ideal weather, dry conditions. Our temperatures on Saturday as much as 20 degrees warmer than normal with a high pressure ridge overhead. With those warmer temps and breezy southwest winds, Saturday could be a near critical fire weather day. Temperatures cool slightly for Sunday, but still will be about 10 degrees above normal when that high pressure ridge flattens. Unsettled weather with some small chances of snow and rain return by Sunday. Sunday night, end of Tuesday night. Next Wednesday or Thursday, we are watching an area of low pressure that's moving out of the four corners. Usually it's kind of a not good situation for us, but it looks like the focus of any precipitation with that system will be to our east with little, if any, impact locally. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be seasonal or near normal the middle part of next week. Then we'll trend warmer than normal by next weekend through the 11th of March in Nebraska and Kansas. Precipitation in the middle of next week expected to be near normal in Nebraska and Kansas and slightly above normal. Make that near normal in Nebraska for midweek precipitation chances slightly above normal 
in Kansas. Then below normal precipitation is likely for both Nebraska and Kansas next weekend through the 11th. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska continues to be 96% drought-free. The abnormal dryness continues along in southwest of the line from Sydney to Imperial and McCook in the southwest. Kansas improved 14 percentage points to 86% drought-free. The northwest still abnormally dry, while much of southwest Kansas in moderate to severe drought. Weather factors driving the markets include chances for continued heavy precipitation in the Midwest and Delta and differing conditions in South America for the eastern Midwest. Concerns continue to grow for getting in the field this spring with topsoil moisture remaining at saturated levels. Another system could bring heavy rain and some snow early next week and possibly another system late next week. Some easing of wet soil conditions is expected in the western Midwest where it will be warmer and drier. Topsoil moisture right now is rated at least one-third surplus in the states of Michigan, Missouri, South Dakota, Ohio, Illinois, and North Dakota. The Delta's field work will be slowed by at least one, maybe two storms in the next week that threatens to bring another round of heavy rain with the potential of flooding. Southern Brazil's conditions favorable for filling soybeans to the north. Scattered rain and thunderstorms continue over the major growing areas with plenty of moisture for newly planted second crop corn. The rain may be persistent enough to cause some delay in the harvest of soybeans. In northeast Brazil, they continue to be left out of the rainfall where crop damage is likely occurred. Argentina's conditions are overall favorable for filling corn and soybeans for the short term. Rain will start to become necessary as the soils start to dry out by next week. Okay, very good. Well, uh, I like I like looking there and seeing that 60 on Saturday. That's exactly, sure. yeah, mid-60s. And usually, you know, last Saturday, they weren't thinking it was going to be that warm and right. ended up being into the mid and upper 60s. So maybe we'll get some bonus temperatures again on Saturday. All right, <laughs> very good. We will we'll certainly take it. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Uh, where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. entrepreneurship journey celebrating success embracing failure and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you go back and take a deep look at yourself mm-hmm. see the things that make you who you are thanks so much for joining the angler journey this week we're traveling with oscaline usanase she's a senior at the university of nebraska lincoln and she's from rwanda which is a country in east africa her nebraska journey started back in 2016 i remember that when i was my junior year of high school i prayed for my college and ask God to direct me to a place where we have a good education obviously but also stay connected to him and that eventually led her to Nebraska to study integrated science when I came here actually that was my first time to be like to see that I was different from other people you know people who didn't talk like me who didn't look like me you know everything was so different those setbacks she faced challenged Oscaline to become immersed at UNL. In 2018, she joined the Angler program. I always knew Angler existed, but I've never been part of it until 2018 when I took the first class. And I really uh, fell in love because I knew that from uh, since I was a child, actually, I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I could not, like, I didn't know how to. And uh, they helped me a lot to become that person. I'm still on a learning curve, but like, <laughs> you know, it's been like a beautiful journey to be surrounded with people who are like walking the journey that you you are walking. Yeah, you know, and having actually great people investing in you. 
man, like it's been it's been really great. Oscaline's perception of entrepreneurship was transformed after she read the book Pound the Stone. She learned that in order to sell to others, she has to be able to sell to herself. It made me realize that I need to own what I have to know well what you are like bringing to the table. Having that attitude of, hey, can you sell to yourself? And also like you cannot cheat the person in the mirror if you have a frustrated face nobody's gonna want to buy from a frustrated person and so it doesn't matter how much i sell every day but like am i taking actually a step to do something mm-hmm. you know it, what, what matters is not like the big prize but like the small steps that i take every day the small decisions that i make every day yeah. like they affect actually the final you know the final the big day the final thing that you're trying to do Fast forward to the fall of 2018, Oscaline, which means outstanding in Cameroon, started writing her book, Born for a Purpose. And so in this book, I dive more into how we, like every human being, mm-hmm. is actually born for a specific purpose. And that we don't need to waste the life we are given pursuing something that is not ours. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, like seeking the very unique purpose that, you know, I believe God created, you know, put in us. In addition to writing her book, Oscaline also created a weekly gathering called Resolution Time for Ladies. My heart behind uh, founding it is, you know, to in college, we face a lot of things. And I wanted to do something different. Yes, we can talk about the Bible and talk about Jesus and everything, but like, Coming together and finding like questions that actually women face mm-hmm. and finding the biblical view on those questions and problems that we face. You can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at sports here on the Midday Program. And Brandon Bennett's in here with us today as we get things all situated on a snowy Thursday. And, uh, boy, it seems everything's kind of starting to wind down, isn't it, as we get ready for the spring season. And then once things wind down, we kick right back in with track. And then uh, we have the crossover between the end of one and the beginning of another. Yeah. And uh, we don't do a whole lot of track on the radio, at least in this part of the country. But in the south, it's a big, big deal. They do a lot of track events. So you and I both do PA for track. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine doing play-by-play no. for track? No, I guess it would be like horse racing, wouldn't it, or something? Do you remember the sprinter Michael Johnson that set sure. all the records? Yeah. When he was at Auburn, he was the final leg in the 4 by 2 He was third, almost fourth when he got the baton and won it and was running so fast, the Auburn play-by-play announcer could not keep up with him. Wow. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. It is something else. The Nebraska men's basketball team returns home tonight as the Huskers take on number 23 Ohio State. Tip-off is at 8.05 p.m. We'll bring it to you right here on 880 KRVM. The Nebraska women's basketball team wraps up its 2019-2020 regular season this evening when the Huskers head to Bloomington to battle number 22 Indiana. Tip-off between the Huskers and the Hoosiers. The Huskers are 17 and 11, 7 and 10 in the Big Ten. The Hoosiers 21 and 7, 11 and 5 in the Big Ten. That tip-off is set for 5 p.m. Central Time at Assembly Hall, which is one of those places on my bucket list. I want to see where Bobby threw the chair. 
Television coverage provided by the Big Ten Network. The University of Nebraska Kearney women's basketball player Brooke Carlson was named this week's MIAA Women's Basketball Player of the Week. The Elkhorn senior talks about her performance last week that earned her the accolade. Been guarding our offense a little bit. They've been taking away the perimeter a little bit more and uh, jamming us up in power on our screen. So it's been a little bit more open in the post. My teammates do a really, really good job of looking for post players, posting up with people on their back, and just been able to slow down in the post a little bit, be able to make some moves on people and finish around the rim. That's a phrase we don't hear very often anymore, posting up with people on her back. I had to I had to offer her when yep. I was doing that yep. interview. I had to offer her a mild ovation because we just don't see that in basketball anymore. Nope, not at all. Carlson averaged twenty one point seven and a half boards and one assist per game that helped UNK earn a pair of victories last week. Lopers currently the number two ranked team in the MIAA standings and fifth in the second edition of the NCAA regional rankings. It's those regional rankings that determine the eight different regions, a sixty four team NCAA Division two tournament field that'll begin in March. The field is made up of eight teams from the eight regions in the top seed each hosting March 13th, 14th, and then 15th. And then both the UNK men and women's basketball team are in action in Wichita tonight. They'll play Newman University. Those games start for the women at 5.30. The men go right after about 7.30. And we'll have both of those games on 93.1 The River. Of course, Jason will have it for you on the River app. Another college basketball news. GPAC tournament last night. Hastings College stung second-ranked Morningside 84-80 to to keep their season alive. The C-111 tonight has Gothenburg against Chase County at 6 p.m. in Brady. You can hear that game on Cami Country and online at krvn.com. And, of course, last uh, report we had from Lincoln, Nebraska's most experienced kicker from the last two seasons is no longer with the Husker football team. Barrett Pickering left the football program. Two sources close to the situation told the Omaha World-Herald the native of Alabama made 17 of 23 field goals and 50 of 51 extra points as a Husker, but he was also one of six to score points with his leg and one of four to handle kickoff. So there's plenty of ponies left in the stable. There is the, uh, there is, it's an inter- I'm, I'm curious to see what the backstory ends up being about this because it always felt to me from when he was injured at the very beginning of the season, there was more to the story. And so it'll be interesting if that ever comes out. I can't say and I'm horribly surprised by that. So that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. Indeed. This this uh, this tie up of college football, people move around a lot. Always. Thank you, sir. Thank you. State officials have issued a warning for people in Nebraska who recently traveled to one of 10 countries that have experienced an outbreak of the COVID-19 virus and are asking them to self-report to state or local public health officials. Officials with the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services says that they're tracking the virus that originated in China. They're also seeking people who have traveled within the last 14 days to Hong Kong, Japan, South Korea, Iran, Italy, Singapore, Taiwan, Thailand, or Vietnam. Officials say they haven't identified any cases in Nebraska residents, although the state is providing quarantine locations for people who were exposed elsewhere in the world. Senator Tom Breezy yesterday urged the legislature's Revenue Committee to consider a tax policy trade-off that would eliminate Nebraska's dozens of sales tax exemptions on services in exchange for a lower sales tax rate. One of those opposed to doing away with exemptions is Craig Eckert, representing the Nebraska Broadcasters Association. 
saying taxing advertising would have a detrimental effect on the state's radio and TV stations. The Federal Communications Commission expects local broadcasters to provide programming that serves the needs and interests of local communities. LB 946 hinders our stations from fulfilling their FCC requirements because it adds yet another regressive economic burden. In your own districts, you've seen dwindling numbers of locally owned brick and mortar retailers. Fewer retail uh, business means fewer local advertising dollars to fuel our broadcast FCC mandate to provide local news, local sports, local public service outreach, as well as locally produced entertainment. But policy think tanks such as Open Sky Policy Institute and the Platt Institute supported the bill's call for a modernized tax base and a lower sales tax rate of an estimated 4%. No action was taken on the bill. A large amount of highway and bridge construction south of Lexington was completed last year. Matthew Park oversees a Highway 283 project for the Nebraska Department of Transportation. He summarizes the items completed before the winter shut it down. Last year we completed about 80% of our asphalt overlay, which uh, included milling up four inches of the top layer of asphalt and placing it back. We uh, fixed four, uh, three bridges. We uh, patched the decks, uh, put on new buttresses, and we'll be putting on um, new guardrail. Uh, we fixed the bridge over the Platte River. We uh, patched it, put on new bridge rail. Work will resume next week on the project that extends from the Interstate 80 overpass at Lexington to eight miles south at the Plum Creek Bridge. It will also include a new asphalt overlay and repairs to the Lexington Interstate 80 overpass. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. On the last Rural Radio Forum, brought to you by Ag West Commodities. In areas like Kentucky and some of those rural areas where there's lots of mining and there's a high rate of injury is, is where this exploded. So doctors were prescribing a lot of this. And you know, whenever you have an industry where a lot of money is to be made, a lot of money got made on prescribing this medication. We created a coalition three years ago. It was based upon three principles, looking at what we could do to prevent opioid addictions, what we could do to properly treat opioid addictions, and then how law enforcement could work through that. The stigma is everywhere, you know, that somebody who uses a junkie or an addict, and, and it's a choice. But in rural locations, it's much more powerful because somebody growing up a small town, everybody knows everything. And opening up the important channels of what you need to do to go get help is so important. And one of the only ways to overcome that is compassion and love, because we know that's unbelievably healing. The Opiate Crisis. Listen to the podcast at RuralRadio.com. A Nat Geo program has become a hit showcasing two Nebraska veterinarians. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Had a great phone conversation with doctors Aaron and Ben Schroeder. Of course, you might know him from Heartland Docs DVM. That is on National Geographic's Wild Cable Channel. The opportunity to talk to Aaron and Ben, though, about what this show has meant in showcasing agriculture. As one of the very first scenes you see is an emergency c-section where the cow didn't survive it's a pretty bold um case to put kind of right in that first <laughs> first episode um and you know we have we certainly have some say in that but you know a lot of that is our production company in the network but we personally i think felt very strongly that um 
you know, we wanted to establish that this is what this is what we do. This is who we are, um, and you know, I think all of those things should be handled with delicacy. But they are real, and they are real decisions that farmers and ranchers have to make every single day. Uh, how that really how that really happened? Uh, I had dealt with Gary with that poor cow the last two days of her life, um, going out trying to give her enough nutrients and energy and things orally and IV to get her up and get her going. And uh, it wasn't working out. And the morning the morning that uh, Gary called and said uh, she's down, barely alive, um, we both knew that this is what was going to happen. I said, listen, if, if you guys want real Nebraska veterinary life, this is, this is what you got to film. And they said, okay, let's jump in the truck and let's go, let's go get this you know, get this footage. And I think it turned out very well, very real. And, you know, that's that's what we wanted this show to be. What has been the reaction from folks as they've gotten a chance to continue to watch the Heartland Doc series? I think the fun thing for me and Aaron is when we go to our basketball games with, for our sons right now, um, we're sitting in the stands and somebody from the other team, you know, about every game we go to comes over with their with her son or daughter and said, our family loves this show. This isn't just a show, you know, for, you know, the parents or, you know, the grandparents, but my whole family, uh, my three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old um, loves watching you, Dr. Ben and Aaron, uh, do your thing. And, and that's, to me, been the best takeaway so far. Yeah, I think so, that um, people really, you know, it, it's a reason to sit down again as a, you know, potentially even a multi-generational group of people with grandma and grandpa come over and we're all watching the show and um, and it, it starts a little discussion and, you know, it kind of um, goes through a whole roller coaster of emotions um, and uh, and I think that's great. I don't know. I, I We like watching it with our family mm-hmm. <laughs> and we know what's going to happen. It's <laughs> so. funny. We, we've, we've had a lot of families tell us, you know, this this has kind of forced us to have the birds and the bees talk <laughs> in our in our house. Um, yeah. When we're looking at little tadpoles on the microscope and they're moving around, uh, and Johnny wants to know what they are. I mean, you kind of want to tell them, and and it's a good way to start that conversation off by watching a good show. Um, you know, it's it's good. Yeah, we've been really very happy and feel really fortunate um, to be able to have the stories told in the way that they're told as well. Well, you know, and I think it goes to the fact that it shows the, the multi-generational that is within your operation. I mean, Ben, having your dad be in some of the, the episodes and, and you talking about the tie and growing up around the veterinary industry, I think just kind of brings it full circle for people to be able to watch. I agree. I, uh, I love my dad, and I'm so glad he had us come back to my hometown and, and uh, continue this legacy that he started. What has got to be for you guys um, as you see this evolve and the reactions that you're getting when somebody outside of agriculture who doesn't understand what happens day-to-day in the operation or maybe doesn't have pets and sees that side of it as well, what are you hoping that they're going to take away from this show? I hope that they come away with a better understanding. Um, I truly, it, it is something I think that we all learn a little bit more as we get older. I mean, there is something that you get older and wiser, but um, I feel like the it's really hard to judge someone else until you walk a mile in their shoes. And so, you know, somebody that's never been in agriculture 
um, that's watching this show, we hope that we're sharing a farmer's story, a rancher's story, a pet owner's story, um, and that that will in turn help a person who maybe can't relate to that be able to um, form more educated opinions. Uh, we'll be able to, you know, feel empathy toward people and animals that they maybe don't know as much about. And so that's, I, I feel very strongly that um, we're hoping that that translates to people who, who are two or three generations removed from the farm and and from living in the Midwest or being, you know, this, this special area of the country. And, um, uh, and I, I think we all can stand to be a little more compassionate toward other people. So um, I hope that, that that point makes it across. That's just a small portion of the interview I had with veterinarians Aaron and Ben Schroeder. Of course, they are on the show all about their operation, Heartland Docs DVM on Nat Geo Wild. By the way, the season finale is this Saturday. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Time for us uh, at 12.53 to take a look at our business report here on KRVN. Wish we could give you a little bit better news here at the midday. And still continues pretty good fall on the markets. Looks like this week may be the worst week since 2008 in the financial crisis that took place there. Unless something pretty drastic happens tomorrow. Let's take a look at the overnights. The Japanese Nikkei was down 477 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was uh, up 140. That's the outlier. The FTSE in London down almost 3.5%, and the German DAX index was down over 3%, also down 407. The 10-year yield, uh, usually a pretty good indicator, is down a percentage point right now. The Dow Jones Industrial Averages here in the United States really taking a hit again uh, in the last few minutes now, down 623 points. Down below, uh, well, they're at 26K right now, 26,334. NASDAQ is down almost 200 points, and the Standard & Poor's down two percentage points. All right, Bob, uh, now that I said you warmed up the audience for you, go ahead. Stocks are on a wild ride as the virus threatens some economic damage. How much? We don't know yet. More companies, including Microsoft and Budweiser maker InBev, are warning that their results will be hurt. Goldman Sachs said earnings for companies in the S&P 500 index might not grow at all this year, after predicting earlier that they would grow 5.5%. And strategist David Costin also cut his growth forecast for earnings next year. Thursday's Today's losses extended a week-long route that's brought the S&P 500 8.8% below the record high, it set just a week ago. The U.S. economy, meanwhile, was growing at an annual rate of 2.1% in the final quarter of last year, but uh, damage from the coronavirus is likely depressing growth in the current quarter. The Commerce Department says the overall pace of growth in the October through December quarter was unchanged from, init- from its initial estimate a month ago, though the components were slightly altered. A slowdown in business restocking was less severe than first believed, but a cutback in business investment and new equipment was more of a drag on growth than initially estimated. 
Orders to U.S. factories in the meantime for big-ticket manufactured goods dipped in January, pulled down by decreased demand for cars, auto parts, and military aircraft. The Commerce Department saying orders for durable goods slipped two-tenths of a percent last month after climbing 2.9 percent in December. Chinese regulators say small, mostly private companies that are the engine of the country's economy are back to operating at one-third of normal levels after an antivirus, uh, after antivirus controls shut factories and other businesses. They promised more low-cost loans and uh, other means to get the world's second-largest economy functioning again. So, uh, kind of uh, a global uh, shockwave going around the world, and... Uh, we don't know exactly where things are going, uh, but we know where they're going right now. And uh, the stock market is jumping back and forth, so we'll watch it for the rest of the day. All right. Very good. Thank you, Bob. Winter is tough and cold. KRVN, The River, and Cami have a prize package to help make winter a little easier and warmer. We're giving away a $700 prize package that includes a pro-temp propane heater to warm up the shop or those cold, wet calves, a Yeti Rambler thermos you can fill with hot coffee, and a Rayovac lantern for dark winter nights. Get all the details at krvn.com. Register at Plum Creek Marketplace, Lexington, Agland, ATV, Broken Bow, and online at krvn.com. Work on the lower Mississippi is going to have an effect all the way upstream. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Commodity Classic is underway here in San Antonio, Texas, and I caught up with Mike Steenhook. He is the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Now, just about two weeks ago, funding was put in place to deepen parts of the lower Mississippi. The Recently, the, the Corps of Engineers announced that the deepening of the lower Mississippi River has gotten the official green light. Congress has approved the funding, so the administration is now... Ge- given it the green light so a lot of these infrastructure projects they tend to live in the world of intention a lot of times and they're not they don't actually move make the journey to an outcome and this is a the, an example of a project that will be an outcome and that's going to be good news for agriculture so the the intention is to deepen the lower river and this is starts at baton rouge louisiana goes past new orleans to the gulf of mexico from 45 feet of water depth to 50 feet and what that'll do is it'll allow ocean vessels to be loaded with an additional 500,000 bushels of soybeans. That This is the area that accounts for 60% of soybean exports, 59% of corn exports. So it's clearly the number one launching point on the international marketplace for both commodities. What excites me about it is that it'll clearly improve our competitiveness, but the benefits of that will be felt in the interior part of the country in the form of a more competitive basis for farmers that make these deliveries to these barge terminals. Um, for farmers that even drive long distances to, say, the port of Catoosa on the Arkansas River, um, that's going to be a benefit to them. But even one of the things that we have analyzed is when you increase modal competition, you make barge transportation more economical, and that's what this project will do. It'll make barge to ocean vessel more economical. It creates competitive pressure pressure for the other modes of transportation like rail. So even if you're a farmer in a state that you don't really feed into the river a whole lot, but because barge transportations that draw areas increasing, railroads will have to work harder to maintain and keep that business in the form of being more competitive with their rates. And so 
that's going to be really beneficial for shippers, including agricultural shippers. So we're excited about that. It really is going to be a win-win situation in the end. It's very much going to be a win-win. And so in in this midst of time where we have this aspiration to export more, um, we also have to have the ability to have an infrastructure that can accommodate more. It's really a package deal. You can't care about exports without caring about infrastructure. And so this is a good example of a project that will allow us to meet the needs of our international customers. We know infrastructure has been a hot topic for as long as I've been a farm broadcaster. And it's nice to see that finally we're seeing some work done and some movement taking place. I mean, we've heard about locks and dams for years, and here we sit still waiting for more infrastructure improvements. We really hope that the president and Congress will really reflect on, you know, with, with you know this one project with the deepening of the lower Mississippi River. Here's an example of a project that when Congress uh, works together with the administration, that's what happens. They actually can get something done. And I think that's what the American people are really clamoring for. Uh, the good thing about infrastructure is that when a new bridge is built or when a port is improved or when an inland waterway system is enhanced, that is a tangible expression of what taxpayer dollars are doing. It's not in the eyes of the beholder. You can actually see something that's actually getting done. And in the American people agree that infrastructure is a legitimate exercise of the federal government. Part of my conversation with Mike Steenhook here at Commodity Classic in San Antonio. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Radio Network, let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. Corn, wheat again lower, but soybeans, kind of the coal mine and the canary maybe, they once again are able to swing back around by close. Yeah, like I said, if you're just watching beans, you're going to say, what the heck's going on? Everything is good. You know, I, I don't ask me why that is. I mean, I sit around and watch this stuff all day long, and I could probably formulate a, uh, a hypothesis for a lot of different things and why they happen, but I, I don't have the answer for you in soybeans. I, the only thing I can think of it would be just that the price is cognizant of acreage and, you know, the announcements that, you know, the meat packers globally are just, they're making obscene amount of money right now with the, with the, the price overseas. So, um, they're going to need to feed out. I think that's probably, you know, being seen here. Soybean meal hasn't broken below 300 and stayed there. So we're back above it on the May contract now. And, um, you know, in reality, that's a good sign. I mean, I think, you know, grains didn't have the froth that, that the stock market and I'm saying crude oil had froth, but there was some built up into it and markets like cotton and you've seen all of that premium come out now. So, uh, the key for, for now, if you want to trade, this is, is trading deferred contracts. I think that that'd be my advice. Just stay away from the front months and start looking at some things out in the curve. I, I think that's where the real value lies is people get emotional in the short term. And in that short term, we have definitely taken off a lot of things, but maybe can we establish a bottom here as to which to be rebuilt going into that spring planning or a spring planning rally? Yeah, I don't know how much optimism I have us getting above, say, 390, but I, I, I look for, for a good opportunity for May here. Um, you know, the, the, the export markets are, are not full players in the short term. Now, you get on to July, you're going to have a lot of Argentinian business that will come and, and compete, and Brazil will have a product as well, but... Um, you know, the U.S. is pretty much it over the short term. So if you're going to buy, I almost think buying the shorter term contracts uh, is, is the play here. May, May might be your best bet. Um, down here at 368, I mean, going back to the September contract, really, if you, you get a chance to buy something deferred in the 360s, it's, it's tended to work out. Obviously, this, this virus scare is, is something big, but 
if you look back in time, we've had a lot of this happen before, and uh, the kind of volatility moves we're seeing here, in my opinion, this is not 2008. This is something completely different, and I think right now it's going to be inflationary over the longer run. I'm convinced of that. I think short-term here, obviously, there's a big glut of supply that needs to find a home, but over the longer run, um, you know, we're, we're essentially encouraging folks not to produce, and um, you can see how that works out. So at some point, there's going to be a, a knee-jerk reaction to this on the other side. My thought would be look at something in September calls and for corn and soybeans. I think there's some good opportunities there. Again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. Do you remember trading futures and options involved risk of loss? It may not be suitable for all investors. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to krvn.com. Just click on the podcast. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.